Welcome to Tech Bytes, a 15-minute podcast that gives you a quick but comprehensive look at products and technologies in the real world. Today's sponsor is Silverpeak, and we're talking SD-WAN with their customer, Mid-South Bank. Our guest today is Daniel Herford. He is Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Mid-South. Daniel, welcome to the Pack of Pushers, and let's start with a quick overview of Mid-South Bank. What part of the country are you in? How many branches? That kind of thing. Thank you. Uh, Mid-South Bank is headquartered in Lafayette, Louisiana. That's uh, Southern Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And we have 49 branch locations, both within across Louisiana and also into the eastern part of Texas. We manage about $1.7 billion in assets, which means we're handling money and transactions for about 86,000 customers, some multiple on top of that of how many accounts and services they each have. Okay. So over a billion dollars, that's <laughs> that's some serious money. So um, w- what is the uh, application mix that you have to support at the bank, particularly the WAN has to support? Today, as a snapshot, we very much have a hybrid environment uh, with a mix of Windows client server apps, web apps that are hosted internally, and SaaS and cloud applications that are serviced from different providers. Okay, and you came to the bank, I understand, from outside the organization. Can you give us a sense of the network, what the state it was in when you arrived? What were you looking at? I'm looking forward to this bit. I'm looking forward <laughs> to this bit. <laughs> Three days on the job, uh, I had eight people show up in my office uh, from telecom company A that I won't mention, mm-hmm. but you can guess mm-hmm. it, um, with a gigantic renewal contract for my, <laughs> what I found out to be a very legacy MPLS type of infrastructure, something you would have seen 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm. And they did honestly expect me to just uh, rubber stamp that. I think that it was the first time they were meeting me as CIO. And uh, I saw that contract and immediately dismissed it, immediately told them that I wanted to first off learn the business I was serving before I started signing over huge, uh, I think it was about $800,000 a year contract wow. uh, for the next 36 months they wanted me to sign. So anyway, uh, that's what I inherited. And of course, there's no way within three days to know what your WAN looks like. But over the next two to three months, I kind of aggressively approached my team uh, and tried to get a picture of what we looked like. Uh, and, and really, it looked very traditional. Uh, uh, it sounds to me like you knew that this wasn't the right answer to you. It was very clear that an MPLS with only one circuit at each branch, you have the contracts in your hand ready for renewal. You know you're in the driver's seat. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I definitely yeah. came with a chip on my shoulder, so to speak. I had opinions already <laughs> about mm-hmm. what I thought this was. I mean, I gave them the chance. I'm trying to be a straight, uh, you know, a good business advocate. But I knew very clearly and very quickly that I would look at that option as a sort of status quo option, but that's what—that's how I was treating it. Uh, I definitely had concerns about cost availability. I wanted to bring redundancy. There was definitely things we were missing that were immediate alarms for me that right. we could do something. So that about. sounds like sounds like you had some SD when you'd had some exposure because it sounds like you knew that there was something better. You didn't start from zero. Very true. Um, I had mm. been exposed to Silver Peak when it was a WAN optimization product. Mm-hmm. That's right. They entered the market back as a WAN optimization. And SD-WAN was something they started putting into their product set before it was really an acronym that that was that had really entered into our common vocabulary. Right. So you are right. I had some exposure. We had done a few branches. Uh, we were playing with But their- that's a, you're saying WAN acceleration, but not SD-WAN. So really, Correct. Correct. You, you were thinking we get some WAN accelerators in there to increase the bandwidth without increasing the cost. And then you engaged around SD-WAN, I presume. 
Correct. I've been watching their development and the, the industry develop around that technology. Ah, okay, right. So yeah. you're absolutely right. I had some I had some foundational knowledge. I I had seen what was happening, and I thought to myself, this is probably a really good opportunity to vet that out, try it out, kick the tires on it, and maybe make a really big impact. So did you start testing SD-WAN? And if you did, did you bring in other folks besides Silverpeak? We did. Uh, and funnily enough, I my first challenge was to challenge the incumbent. I mean, I told telecom company A, a humongous company <laughs> um, that should be on the forefront of technology. I, I said, bring me some different options. And unfortunately, all their options looked like the, the same song in a different key. You know, they just weren't, they, they really just weren't very different. Uh, so again, we, we, we brought in these technologies. We POC them in our environment. Uh, we wanted to eliminate any question mark of whether we could run a full SD-WAN driven network. Uh, could we do it just with internet connectivity or did we need MPLS? Uh, so there was a lot of testing that sort of went into that. And ultimately, of course, I was looking for the most aggressive approach. I was looking for an aggressive approach. I was looking, if I can get away with broadband, think of the cost. Yeah, you know. How many sites, so you said 800K. So how many sites was that supporting for 800K? That doesn't, that sounds like a lot of money. It was a lot of money. Um, we have a yeah. lot of, we have a lot of sites in rural Louisiana. We had right. sites, we had numerous sites over $2,500 a month in terms of their spend on uh, WAN services, mostly because they were rural. They were out in the middle of nowhere. We had paid yeah. at some point in the past to get that built out there, but honestly, nothing else was out there. They were just in the middle of central Louisiana. And a lot of those banks don't even operate five days a week too. Some of them no, are part-time. So how did you get to change that? Because obviously if you've got a fixed line circuit that was installed 10 years ago at great expense, what did you go with in the end? Cause the question I really want to hear is, did you go with internet? Yeah. So, uh, I guess I can give the spoiler alert if that's what everyone's waiting for. <laughs> yes. We did actually build the eventual design is 100% internet-based. All I would tell you, the listeners here, is that it was done based on careful calculation and testing, uh, yeah. and we validated it over, over a four- or five-month period. So this is not something we we don't feel like it was an aggressive or overtly risky decision. But But to answer your question, I think more fully... We, we kind of looked at what we were trying to say. We looked at those rural branches where, mm-hmm. where connectivity was not greatly available, but they did have broadband or in some cases wireless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did ultimately end up with a hybrid network or a hybrid delivery system. It is all internet-based, but that internet uses a, a, a combination of telecom-provided DIA-type services. Yeah. So yeah. internet with SLA, it, it has broadband commodity business services, the same thing you might get at any small business or even So you're home. using um, MPLS-grade DNS, uh, internet, sorry. Effectively, you're using tel- telco with a, with a high degree of certainty, but it's still public WAN, or a, I call internet public WAN, as well as, but you, you're saying, I've got other bandwidth as well. So you've increased your total bandwidth and achieved redundancy with a cheap second circuit. It perhaps Correct. is that one way to look at it. Correct. And again, it, it matches, like you said, in our big city centers, our, our our go-to right now is a DIA backed up by a broadband. In those rural areas, it's been shown the most cost-effective is we have a broadband circuit with a wireless backup. So we actually have a couple <laughs> so of So not even an MPLS. That, that would right. shift those branches onto a much more solid it, financial footing. And that I, means you've got branches open when your competitors can't. That's exactly right. And and I instantly, this made me a hero. Uh, <laughs> a tremendous so, amount of operating costs and brought yeah. additional performance and additional. And you, you did mention, you, you made a comment that I definitely want to touch on. I, a lot of people might be listening and saying, man, that was, that sounds like an ideal situation. And it was, as I said, we had a big, large contract that covered all, all of our sites. 
So I had this sort of moment. It wasn't really a green field, but it was definitely an, a moment where I could start a transformation. And again, it did not happen overnight. But, this, this whole thing. But you've been a CIO for a while. You could imagine anybody could start this with a small pilot of five sites alongside of their existing network. It's not like you have to. The, the, the SD WAN is perfectly interoperable with with a traditional legacy. Uh, absolutely. Let's not say the word. Let's call it legendary MPLS. Design. Legendary. I like it. Um, <laughs> absolutely. You you asked the question earlier about mm. one of the, you know some of the things we looked at with Silver Peak, um, and one of the things we looked at highly was what routing protocols and how can it coexist with a legendary mm. network as you. To use term. <laughs> uh, and it was very important. For instance, our internal networking mm. protocols were EIGRP and mm. BGP. So it was very important to us that we could peer these Silver Peak devices with our existing BGP routers and get them to coexist while we kind of did this role to SD-WAN, which again, yeah. took us over about a seven or eight month period to kind of get to everybody. Yeah, it's not like a one and done. It's a lot. Not at all. Not, and and yeah. again, don't listen to the telecom providers. I hate to say that, but they, they don't want to tell you that. They, they, want, no. they want you to hear, oh, you, you can't do this big bang. And oh, you can't have a hybrid environment where it's a little bit of both. And the answer is that's just not true. So I want to get to deployment in a second. But first I want to ask, did you run into any internal pushback on this, uh, fears about saying, yes. oh, we can't do it on okay, internet. So all we you can't... network engineers out there, calm down. The world is changing <laughs> and you have to change. All right. So just take a breath on that. Yes, absolutely. My, my networking staff are amazing. Uh, just like I'm sure all the network staff that might be listening to this, they, they've got years of experience and knowledge. They, they have born, they're born and bred on MPLS. They, they know BGP and EIGRP and OSPF like it's, like it's a second language to them. Totally understand that. And yes, there was some internal pushback. Uh, they, they weren't quite sure about this new technology that doesn't have a CLI, it's graphic only. And, mm-hmm. and that was a significant concern. There's no doubt about it. I took it seriously. I, I chose to address it with partnerships and some learning. Uh, and I sort of made them, and, and again, they were part of the POC. And once I Can got I, excited about it, it was game So over. here's the thing. It, I, I, I hear what you're saying. You had a team very much in the traditional legendary mode of operation. Now, all of a sudden, they're faced with Silverpeak with a graphical controller based in the cloud, and they're using zero-touch provisioning. Surely, they must have been happy that they wouldn't have to go to every site to install every device. You know, you would think so. Uh, <laughs> and they were. And they were uh, again, uh, some folks in IT... Even yeah. though we are a change group, um, there are still, I think every manager or anybody would know, there's, there are some things that just they just don't want to change. So yes, I, all these great, and you're right, we're using zero-touch provisioning, we're using all these cloud provisioning methodologies. Uh, our, our day in the life of deploying a branch is significantly easier and lower friction than it has ever been. Um, and, I th- and again, I think now that we're there, I've got a group of converted people. They are they have converted mm. over. They are, they are there. <laughs> frankly, they're probably norm, now more valuable. So all you guys yeah. out there looking for that next big paycheck, SD-WAN is definitely should be, I mean, again, they, they like where they are now, but it did take some time to get there. Security question. One of the big things about Silverpeak is this idea of a branch breakout, getting direct access to the internet from the branch. Obviously, as a financial organization, that's very risky. Are you looking at some security solutions in that space? We are. It's actually on the roadmap. Uh, we we kind of designed a SD-WAN roadmap over the next two to three years. We did not go live with uh, branch breakout. That's just too many changes for us that maybe to consume at once. Uh, but we are very interested in it, especially for some of our core services like Office 365 um, and others that are very predominant in the marketplace and, and have a lot of security built around them. Uh, so we are looking at partnerships there. Uh, we have numerous partnerships, uh, numerous other providers yeah. in our environment that are already partnered with Silver Peak. So we are definitely looking at that, and I guarantee we will be there in the next year or so. 
And you are ditching your routers. You're not adding this on the back of your routers. You are right. taking we, them we out. only kept the routers in place during that hybrid mode. But mm-hmm. once, uh-huh. once the full network was in place, we started a process to ditch the router. So we now have a routerless branch uh, model. We do still have okay. routers at a couple of branches that have some Where legacy. there's some legacy, yeah. You yeah, need a... But- you need Correct. a T one to Ethernet converter, and it just they, happens to be they, a fifteen year old router from. There you go. Yeah. So they're, they're not one hundred percent gone, but that, yeah. and by the way, that's another thing that makes network guys kind of sizzle a little bit. Um, yeah. you say routerless branch, and I think they they get kind of twitchy, um, but it, it is possible. <laughs> well, here's, here's the here's the one that gets them more twitchy. Is recently we've seen SD WAN adapt, and they're now talking about VPN remote access going straight into your SD WAN appliances. That's an emerging feature. It's downstream, but it's coming. Yeah. Well, that would be scary, especially, I say scary. Um, that would be mm. something that you're right, would raise an eyebrow. Um, VPN yeah. connections in banks are highly monitored. They have to be high, you know, hotly controlled. Yes, but you've got all the controls. If you've got an SD WAN with a security engine and a cloud, so, you know, you've got a cloud security broker scanning all the content, logging all the content. Why don't you just run the VPN straight into the same solution? Anyway, that's a future technology. Not I love it. I, love I guess I want to ask one question. Um, so you, you've obviously gained some significant cost savings. You've probably got more flexibility, uh, better reliability, that kind of thing. Do you also now feel like the WAN is positioning you to do more? You said you're looking at cloud, wanting to be uh, more progressive, more forward thinking in applications and delivery. Are you in position to do that now? Yes, we are. And, and again, that was, that was probably the strategic side of the SD-WAN transformation. We, we definitely were thinking that we're trending more and more towards cloud. And again, if we can get the security implements uh, and the remote access implements in place that will really allow our network to be sort of natively adapted to that environment, mm-hmm. it's going to be a better mm-hmm. structure for us. We are still hairpinning almost all traffic back to the data centers. Mm-hmm. And frankly, that model is just, again, every, again I'm, I'm not a guy that says, you have to make this change because that's what the world's doing. I mean, even if the world's doing it and you're not, because that's not your use case, I guess that's fine. I can live with that. Um, but in our case, we are adapting those use cases. We are more and more using those cloud applications, those cloud-based services. We're taking a cloud first or at least a cloud forward stance. And it is absolutely going to, and I no longer have to worry about whether my WAN and my traffic flow can support that new world. I, I'm absolutely poised for it, and I feel like it's just going to be a few more iterations. And, and what about the final thing that um, the final thing that I get really excited about in SD WAN is the visibility and the analytics. You don't have to now buy as an accessory or an add-on or a separate system to see how much bandwidth's being used or what's happening in the network. Is that something that you see as well? Absolutely. Um, in fact, this was one of the that was one of the biggest barrier breakers for that network team that was a little hesitant mm-hmm. uh, when we stood up some of our first branches and just saw the native visibility that we all of a sudden had at our fingertips. Uh, things that we were having to deploy tools or or visibility. I'll be honest, we usually only enabled something like NetFlow if we were troubleshooting a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So that was technology. That visibility only usually came when we were actually looking for a problem. Well, now mm-hmm. in a default native state, we're getting that intelligence and more at, at all times through this SD WAN. Yeah. So when my network team saw that, they were really blown away with how much. And then, of course, as we learn more about the solution, to be able to take that visibility and instantly pivot that into policy and controls at the application level, that is that is stuff we. Those are knobs we don't know how to turn yet. I'll be honest; those are knobs we're still learning how to turn. Right? Those are, those yeah. are we're still figuring out. But but that's that's the enablement. And, and, yeah. and we've been running MPLS for 15 years and, and we don't have that many knobs to turn. So it's pretty exciting yeah. technology. And you, do, you, you probably didn't even have that visibility on your old MPLS, on the legendary, on the legendary 
MPLS now. All you would have known is, you know, utilization on a five-minute poll. And that right. would have been it, right? You wouldn't have known queue buffs. You wouldn't have known applications flowing. There's a whole bunch of advantages around that. All right. Well, Daniel, I feel like we could probably talk for another two or three of these 15-minute episodes because there's a lot here. But unfortunately, we have to wrap. Uh, I do want to thank you for joining us and giving us your time and insight. And I want to thank Silver Peak for being a sponsor. Uh, check out silverpeak.com to find out more. And you can find this and many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog at packetpushers.net. Follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. Find us on LinkedIn, like us on Facebook, and rate us on iTunes. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.